Business Bros is your show, where small business professionals just like you come to tell their stories. This podcast is for those who understand the number one rule in business, which is to be of service to others. Learn how today's professionals generate leads, what's working on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of those who are out there doing the real work. And now let's welcome your hosts, Hernan C.S., the real estate bro with eXp Realty, the cloud-based brokerage where top producers reign, and James C.S., the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, making sure you are covered because there's a lot riding out there. And now here are the business bros. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Yeah, that was a good one. We did the damn thing. That was it right there. That's the one we like. That was a really good one. Very harmonious, yes. right online. You know, Blended. we had a, we had a couple of practice shot, you know, practice shots, practice sessions beforehand. So mm-hmm. uh, all of two of them. All, so, all of two of them. Yeah. It paid off too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally paid off. Uh, so again, welcome Anthony Menzon to the show. Nan, you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, absolutely. So, f- well, oh, we I, lost his video. Oops. Nope. Someone called me already. Already. Oh, never stop. It's gonna come back on. There we go. Oh, that, you know what? Me too. Oh, look at that. That's what happens when you got real producers in the in the in the show. <laughs> right, let's. Uh, there so, we go then. Um, Do not disturb. There we go. So James Whoops. gave you a premise before we went Facebook Live. Well, while we were on Facebook Live, but before we started the audio, and he said that uh, Kevin M basically referred you over. But I actually kind of got introduced to you because of your epic open housing signage that is pretty much everywhere in San Diego County. So, you know, I've always seen Team on signs out there for quite a while. So I know that you have been a very productive producer. And when I got to meet Kevin and he told us a little bit about your team, he told us about what an epic team leader you are. So, you know, I wanted to make sure, you know, I I at least put that out there because we want to bring people to the show that are killing it out there, that are doing, that are being productive, that are Mm -hmm. just not a show. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of people who put on a suit and look professional, not necessarily doing professional things. And one of the things you told me before the show was that you're old school. So tell me a little bit about yourself. How'd you get started? Why real estate? Tell me about Anthony Manzon. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I am blessed to say that September of this past year, 2018, was my fifth year in the business. So I've been in for five years. Um, and I started when I was 24. That's when I got licensed. Had a big why. My wife and I, we graduated UC Santa Barbara. Um, couldn't get real jobs after we got our... Um, basically our degree, if that's what you call it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get jobs. Had a wedding coming up in nine months. And I was like, it's either we quit our jobs or whatever we could make to make money. I was teaching dance at the time. Um, so I'm making like 25 bucks an hour teaching two classes a week. So I'll make 50 bucks a week. Um, and I was like, we got to quit this and go full time in real estate. So um, it was September, I think 2013-ish. And we just went all in, spent all the money we had saved to get licensed business cards and stuff. And I went all in, did like five open houses a week. And two weeks before the wedding, was able to pay it off all cash through the hard nice. work. So and just create this big snowball that never Word. stopped rolling. Word, That's right? Amazing. Hey, man, five open houses a day. A I mean, week. Sorry, a week. Sorry, <laughs> that would be a lot for a day. That'd be but epic. Five open houses a day. That's tough to do. I mean, that's a lot of dedication. First of all, I'm imagining when you got started, you didn't have five listings. Oh heck no! Right? I, I think for my in my first year, I got one listing, and then um, so I was doing it just open houses for all other agents. So I was the agent that called every single realtor. Um, you know, looked for the vacant ones first because those ones I knew always was an opportunity to hold them open. I would just say, hey, I know today's Monday. Can I commit to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? 
Sunday open houses. If you save them for me, I'll do all five. You never have to worry about it. And so look for vacant and then different area code so that I knew they weren't from here. Mm-hmm. I just targeted those and just stayed at an open house as long as I could. That's strategic, right? I yeah. mean, that's very strategic. Because look, we talk to a lot of realtors, right? And there's a lot of realtors who are out there listening who are struggling to get off their feet who just got their license, and I say just, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's been a year or two years and they tend to drop out of the business. And the main reason is because they don't know how to generate leads and then, worst of all, they don't know how to follow up with these leads. Mm -hmm. Your system, which is not rocket science, by the way, right? No, not not rocket science. Yeah, You picked up the phone, right? Mm -hmm. Step number one. And then you went out and booked open houses, right? So here's here's a misconception. I have to have a listing to hold an open house. No way. Right? Yeah. Living in the flesh, you can do it. Listeners out there, you can go out there and make some money just hopping out and doing open houses. Tell me what what process do you have for doing an open house? Because I know you doing five in a week, you must have said this first one didn't do so hot. How do I make it better? How do I make it better? So um, as I mentioned to you, I focused on vacant ones first, and then I looked for realtors that had a different area code. And then one thing that was really important to me was always sticking in the same area. Um, I think for the first three months, I just took open houses anywhere I could go from Claremont, Mira Mesa. And what that did is it didn't allow me to really focus on one area and become a specialist there. So after about three months, I said, I'm only doing open houses in Chula Vista. So if you're telling me that you saw all my team ads on open house science, I know it was Chula Vista because it's very rare we actually leave Chula Vista. Mm-hmm. So 90% of our business is in Chula Vista because if you do open houses in Chula Vista, you find buyers that are looking to live in Chula Vista and you find sellers that are selling in Chula Vista. Right. So we never had to do showings. You know, I, I could see three properties in 45 minutes because each one was five or 10 minutes away. And then also the blessing is, you know, low inventory. A lot of people were thinking low inventory. It's hard to, you know, get your offers accepted. And yet when the buyer doesn't have like 10 houses to choose from, if they're motivated, they have less to choose from. So they choose one faster. Right, right. And that I love that because you're what you're doing here from, you know, putting words in your mouth, but you're picking a geographical area that you're going to stick with. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not. Yeah. You started off going anywhere because you're a starving agent. You just want to get out there and get stuff done. Yeah. But once you actually figured out the path that you wanted, you're like, look, I'm going to become a staple in this community and I'm going to focus my efforts to do more within this community so that I can become a better agent to the people in this community. Yep. That's right? exactly it. And so. And, and, all right. So tell me, let's let's dig a little bit deeper. You've started off primarily as a buyer's agent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and. How was your schedule like? Were you like super busy once you started uh, like getting these going? How long did it take for this to take off? So you said you started uh, at one point and then by the time you got to your wedding, you were able to pay it off cash. What what, what transition there? How did that take off? Yeah. So um, in my first year in the business, I did 13 transactions and, and that's 12 buyers, one listing. And then my second year, I did 34 12 listings, 24 buyers. Well, that's a huge Holy change. Holy yeah. crap. That's a that's huge, huge change. That's a big shift from, from buyer to seller's market. So, yeah. So, I mean- we preach go out there and become a listing agent because listing is where you're going to have the most time. It's where you're going to have the most control because ultimately, you know, a buyer doesn't have to buy. Mm-hmm. There's always a reason that they, they can always rent no yeah. matter what they can always rent. But there are reasons why a, li- a seller has to sell. Right. I think both. I mean, honestly, I, I think I specialize actually more working with buyers now than I do sellers. I, I just get a thrill off of working with buyers. Um, the thing about sellers is usually they're waiting for something to happen. Kids mm-hmm. to get out of school. Um, they're waiting to file their taxes. They're waiting for something. But what does every buyer say? Find me the perfect house I'm ready to buy. 
Mm-hmm. So like I was, I, my process got really good at finding out and isolating what exactly they were looking for in a home. That way, when we did find their perfect house, it was easy to, you know, get them in there because inventory was so low already. Is, is that part of a pre-qualification that you do? Yeah. So whenever I meet with somebody, I, I set a standard that we don't work with anyone that we don't sign a contract with us. Um, we sit down for a buyer consultation. We found out everything they're looking for in a home, you know, not just bedroom, bathroom, zip code price. We want to look for the intangibles so that way when that perfect home does hit the market, it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, there'd be times I'd go to an open house, meet a buyer there, buyer consultation next day, then have them in escrow in five days. So like the only way to work with a lot of buyers is have your process down, be on the same page and know what they're looking for and they know how you work. If everyone's on the same page, I think you can probably work with more buyers than sellers. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. That, that's you, and honestly, that's a contradiction of what normally we we tend to coach at. Mm-hmm. Only because that that process, I think, is really well. What you said was, which is key, there is the system has to be in place mm-hmm. because you're really getting to know what the buyer is. And what a lot of agents struggle with is if they don't get through that whole prequal process, which is essentially even just the financing part, mm-hmm. making sure that your buyer is ready to go ready to pull the trigger where there may be only contingent on appraisal Mm -hmm. right if you don't get a buyer to that point then you become a chauffeur yeah then you become showing houses then your calendar is all booked up and they're only available after work or they only available on the weekends and so tell me a little bit more about what it is that you're looking for what are these intangibles that you're looking for when you work with buyers yeah so one thing to add right before we add about the intangibles is you also have to coach your client on what it takes to win in today's market mm-hmm. um, for agents they always say your job as a buyer's agent is to get them the house the fastest for the least amount of money however in this market, getting a house, you know, for the least amount of money, that's nice. But the real win is actually getting the house. Right. Um, in my first year, I had a client pay $30,000 above asking price. Looks like a loss, right? Well, here we are five years later, he has like 200000 in equity. So who really won there? Right. So like you just have to be able to coach your client and get them to understand like in order to win in this market, this is what has to happen. Um, communication with the agent. What is it going to take to win the deal? Uh, one of the scripts that we teach our agents on our team to use is we call the listing agent and we say, hey, we have a client interested in buying your property. My goal is to make you look like a rock star for your client. Where do we need to come in at and what terms do we have to put in our contract to make you look like a boss when you present the offer? Ooh, you're pitching to the ego right away. Yeah, and they're just yeah. like, oh, well, my highest is you know 501, come into 505. Perfect. Then we give it to the client and let them decide. All we can do is present data to them and let them make the decision. It's not me saying, hey, highest is 502, you have to do 505. What I'll do is I'll say, hey, the highest offer is 502. Um, where do you want to come in at based on knowing that the highest offer is 502? And then you always let them make the decision. If they want it enough, they'll put in the offer to get it. You play poker? Yeah, I'm not a pro. I mean, I did win two <laughs> out of the last three tournaments, and yet... Well, it's because a lot of a lot of that has to do with making the other person... Uh, Putting them in a position to have to make a decision, Mm -hmm. right? If you put the other person in a position to make a decision, then the pressure's off of you and they're deciding their fate, whether they're going to fold or they're going to continue on. And you kind of get to gauge what's going on. And I think I feel the same approach that you're taking with the buyer. Let me educate you on what's going on in the market. Mm -hmm. Let me get you completely pre-qualified and ready to rock and roll. Let me know exactly what you're looking for in a property. And then when we find it, we actually pretty much have an offer in place verbally and then we write it up and see if the seller wants to do something if they want to move or not yeah so you're not even really essentially showing as much then no i mean i think at my best because i haven't worked a buyer in about two years you know i've been doing listings the past two years we hand off the buyers to the buyer's agents and i mean at my best i was probably averaging like three showings per offer 
you know? And so like when people say like sells are faster, it's less leverage. Yeah. And yet when you get really good at what they're looking for, like, you know, you dig three deep. That's where we say dig three deep. They might say, um, I want a house with an open concept kitchen. You know, that's important, but there's something deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Is it they like to have entertain parties? If so, then you probably like parking. If so, you don't want a busy street. You want something like a big cul-de-sac, you know, something like that. So you find out the intangibles that are deeper, get them really to understand what they're looking for. Because when a buyer comes to your appointment, they have an idea of what they're looking for. Three bedroom, two bath, under 500. However, at the appointment, when you ask so many questions, it gets both of them on the same page. If there's two decision makers, it isolates what exactly they're looking for. It's kind of to get them to understand what they're looking for. So yeah. that way, when you when you present that perfect property, it's just a no brainer at that point, right? Because you've you've checked off all the boxes. Mm-hmm. All right, so so you've created. I'm, I'm just gonna say that yeah. is so good. Is I haven't it? I haven't heard anybody explain it the way that you just did, mm-hmm. and to really dig down deep into the buyer's why. Mm-hmm. That is uh, that's definitely unique. That's yeah. a, that's a really good. Uh, yeah, it's, it was, it's, a, it's a compliment to your character and to the the things that you've taught your team. So thank kudos. you, thank yeah. you. So so you've you've pretty much rocked it on the buyer side, mm-hmm. right? And then you've decided that hey, um, I don't know what's going on in your personal life, but you decided you're going to start building this team dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. So how does one transition from I'm doing really well because the profit margin when you're working by yourself. Way higher. Way higher. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when you bring on a team, you there's there's a weight factor there. Now you're going to be responsible for other people. Now you got to actually train other people. They're expecting certain things from you. What did you? What was your experience like going from being an individual agent to deciding to do a team? Yeah. So um, I I almost followed the model exactly from the real uh, millionaire real estate agent by Gary Keller, the Red Book. Everybody's seen it, and we basically built the team like for that model. So when I first started, my wife and I we got in together. Um, if you know the disc assessment, do you know? Are you familiar yeah, with the disc? The pro- so the uh, personality. Yep. Yep. So I'm actually an ID. I'm a 99I, 99D. So like super high on that end. But my C, which is attention to detail, is a nine out of a so super super low my wife is actually 99c and 99s oh so you match up perfectly exact opposites yeah Yeah. and so basically starting i started with a built-in assistant she was able to assist me i focused on sales she focused on the assistant work and then um it's kind of funny side note like one and a half years ago, I opened my very first escrow like by myself. I didn't even know how to do it because my <laughs> wife and escrow manager always did it, but they were out of town one day. So um, I had a I opened my first escrow like a hundred escrows in basically by myself. But um, anyways, after my wife was my assistant, we hired assistant number two. So according to the model, you do assistant, then assistant number two, and then you start building out the buyer team because you got to build the leverage and the systems in place. Right. Um, I think a lot of mistakes people make when building a team is their value proposition is I'm going to teach these people how to do business. And yet I don't see that as a big value proposition because when they learn it, your value proposition has gone. They're, yeah. they're gone after that. Too. Yeah. And, it, and rightfully so, because you said, Hey, join my team. Cause I'm going to teach you this stuff. And then you teach them the stuff. What, what's the rest of your value proposition? There's no more value proposition. Well, the Padawan becomes a master, right? And yeah. And they're off and rolling. Yeah. So you can't make that your main value proposition. It has to be much deeper than that. So on our team, our value proposition is we, essentially create a business where our agents on the team can basically act as a rainmaker of their own business. So what do I mean by that? Um, What we know is the highest dollar producing activity for an agent is five things. It's lead generate, lead follow up, go on appointments, script and role play and negotiate contracts. Mm -hmm. If an agent could do those five things, it's the highest dollar producing activity. 
but who's going to do the open house flyers? Who's going to do data entry? Who's doing all that? This is the number two. Exactly. So mm-hmm. on our team, we set it up so every agent that comes on, they have the assistants working for them, and they just focus on those five things. And then also, whenever an agent opens an escrow on our team, we have an escrow manager that takes over. So the escrow manager doesn't just do the paperwork. He actually goes on the inspections. He negotiates the request for repairs for them. All the the, the pain parts of a transaction that slow agents down, we gave that off to somebody who, who loves the problems and handling that so the agent could just focus on servicing clients and getting more escrows. Because it's not one of the five things. It's not one of the five things. And the biggest thing that's going to slow agent down is the problems that come up. Right. You know, when you have a request for repairs and the clients aren't agreeing, it's like, oh, I don't want to do this. But if we take that away and keep them in Superman mode, you can get as many clients as you can. Oh, no, that makes total sense. And and here's here's the thing I didn't hear you say. It is not in social media posting. Yeah, I mean, a lot it, of... It is not mm-hmm. in, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of those things help supplement the work that you're doing. I mean, we have a podcast. We post it on social media. It's definitely helping support what it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. But those are not the money-making activities. I, I definitely see it as like a more... It's, it's your longevity. It's your mm-hmm. brand. The social media is the long-term stuff. The immediate prospecting, door-knocking, cold-calling, open houses, that's like your now business. Mm-hmm. The follow-up is the future business, and then the social media is like your branding. So do I wish I started it way earlier? Absolutely, yes. And yet, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second of course. Best time, right now. So. Right now, yeah. Because yeah. 20 years will come mm-hmm. in a flash. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's a, I love that. I love that. Those those five things, uh, I mean, what do we say? Can we say Lead generate. Lead generate. Lead follow-up. Lead follow-up. Go on appointments. Negotiate contracts and then scripts and role play. Scripts and role play. Do those five things and you'll have some really strong agents like Kevin. Like, can you believe how how powerful he is at talking with people? Oh my gosh, right? Yeah. He's got a lot of, I mean, he's got, he's well practiced. It's funny because I brought up with him, uh, we were talking about becoming listing agents, mm-hmm. right? And and with him, I brought up, uh, do you guys use a, a pre-listing package? Mm-hmm. So uh, dive a little bit deeper into what it is that you do uh, when you train somebody to become, because he was telling me that in order for, in your team, in order to become a listing agent, you have to close so many buyer transactions so what was the thought process there yeah so um you know for the listing agents on the team we want to give create like a separation between like the experienced agents and the brand new agents Mm -hmm. Um, what we don't want is for brand new agents coming on to say hey i'm going to take listings and as we know like new agents, they don't know what a good listing is versus a bad listing. And they can get contracts signed, but it might not be like a real seller. They just want to get you know things done. Mm-hmm. Also, to be a strong listing agent, you have to have service buyers to understand what buyers are looking for. So on our team, what we ask is that um, in order to be a listing agent, you have to do 12 transactions in the past 12 months. So what does that also do? It evens mm-hmm. the playing field between experienced agents that want to join our team versus new ones. So let's say a new experienced agent comes on like, hey, I have 20 years in the business, but they had three deals in the past um, you know, 12 yeah. months, <laughs> who's really more qualified at that point. Right. So it evens the playing field, 12 transactions in 12 months. And then they have to go on five listing appointments with me or a certified listing agent. Then they have to present it to the team and they get the okay. Then they can take the listings. Nice. And in the meantime, there's a, a process if the listing, gener- if the listing lead gets generated on your team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does that work? So if a listing lead is generated, um, basically by a buyer's agent, let's say holding an open house, um, we justify that as a 10% referral fee. Referral fees within the team are 10%. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and, and it used to be 25 at one point, and then we thought about like from a number standpoint. If, let's say, for instance, I pay for all the marketing for a big grand opening mega open house. Pay mm-hmm. for the flyers, pay for the assistant to market everything. I pay for, let's say, a taco truck. I found everything, and somebody's just sitting there for the open house, and then they get the listing, and then I pay them five thousand bucks, like a referral fee for that. It's not really justified, you know. Um, let's say if I refer someone to Los Angeles 
and that agent closed the deal, that's justified 25% because they didn't spend any money to generate that lead. But if it's like within the team, we justify that at 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, let's see. So we're talking about, let's see. Generate- oh, really, really quickly before you jump in, Phil Duncan, you know Phil Duncan? Maybe. I don't know. He, he said, good work. Anthony is killing it on uh, Facebook Live. Oh, and thank I, you. I know Phil Duncan. So I, I from thought, the insurance world. From oh. the insurance world. So You know what? I, have, I don't go on Facebook too much. So I'm going to, right after this, I'm going to look up you up, Phil Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> He's great people. He's great people. And uh, shout out to Jose Alvarado, uh, Visionary Media Corp, of course. Of course. What's up, everybody? But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, he, he mentioned it. So I thought maybe you knew him. Yeah. Uh, which I would have been a little bit like, oh, wow. What is a small world, world, right? It is a small Small world. world. Well, thanks, Phil. I appreciate that. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt. No worries. Uh, Continue your interview. So tell me a little bit about your listing process. Uh, What what is it, you know, when when a listing comes in, what's, you you told me about how you treat the buyers. Tell me a little bit about how you treat the sellers. Yeah. So uh, let's say, for instance, a listing lead comes in, we field the call, book the appointment, and then uh, when we book the appointment, we have a pre-qualification lead sheet. And that thing is like huge because one thing I learned two years ago, I think I went on like 70 listing appointments, but I only sold 35 listings. That's a 50% close ratio. Yeah. And when I looked at it, I was like, okay, I mean, these are rough numbers. Mm-hmm. I said, where was there such a big gap? And when I looked at it, of the 35 that didn't sign, only like five or six of them actually went on the market and sold. So what did that tell me? I went on way too many fake listing appointments that weren't real listing appointments. They weren't properly qualified. Exactly. So um, last year was a big focus on um, actually going on strong listing appointments that actually were listing appointments to get the best use of my time. So it starts with a pre-qualification lead sheet. We go through the entire thing. If they fill out all the answers and it looks like there's an opportunity to list, we send out a pre-listing box. Um, I actually have one in the car, so I can show you. I'm okay, about to drop cool, one cool. off after this. It's a team man's on box. Inside, there's a red envelope. I always tell the client, hey, before we meet, in order to save you time, can you please fill out this red envelope? It's going to save you a lot of time. It talks about uh, we know what kind of flooring you have, what kind of countertops, so that when we meet, we can focus on you and your goals rather than talking about the specs of the house. Is that fair? And so they fill out the red uh, envelope um, so that when I meet with them, I have that ready. Um, it and then separately, there's our pre-listing packet, talk about our stats, how we compare to other agents, questions to ask other agents if they're interviewing against us. And then we put a little T-Mans on goodies, like a stainless steel coffee cup, and then like a red bag kind of thing for fun stuff. See, that's a that's a, a really well-designed packet, and I'm assuming there's a cost to it. Yeah. So it makes all the more difference why that pre-qual at the beginning has to be done well mm-hmm. right so this is something that i'm assuming uh gets done when you're getting ready to set up the appointment you give them a call and you go through these types of questions mm-hmm. so what happens if they don't get through these questions is this something that happens with uh, additional follow-up or how do you fan out what's a good listing appointment what's a not a good listing appointment yeah so um the main things i'm looking for is motivation and time frame mm-hmm. if i look at them i find out from them their time frames like yeah i'm looking to move in two years you know I don't want to say my goal is to disqualify appointment, but I'm looking for reasons why it's not worth the time to go out there and go on a fake listing appointment and, you know, get me discouraged. Like, oh, I'm going on so many bad listing appointments. I'm not getting them signed, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm looking for motivation. If the motivation is big enough, like a baby being born, divorce or taxes, something like that, then those are really good appointments to go on. But if they're just looking and they're like two, one year out, I'll usually push the appointment back and then find out when to follow up with them. That makes it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, motivation time frame is essentially the biggest thing, right? Because, um, like I said, 
the the seller is in a position where they have to sell mm-hmm. maybe they're being shipped off somewhere maybe they're being uh, you know they're losing their job and they can't make any more payments they got to make their way out or death and family divorce disaster mm-hmm. those are in a position you're absolutely right that they have to sell yeah and so those are the ones you want to spend your money on those are the ones that get the red box yeah and those right? are the ones that get the box and you kind of compare like the buyer and seller like as i mentioned to you the sellers they have like a I have to move it this time or I don't have to move in there one year out or two years out and they're a little bit like, hey, I want this purchase price, but buyers, the one thing they want is just their dream house. Right. Find the dream house, they will break a lease to move into their dream house. They'll pay $10,000 extra to get their dream house. So like you get those things, you satisfy those needs. It's it's kind of faster working with buyers. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you pre-qualify them, you get them the pre-listing package. Mm-hmm. What does an appointment look like? Is it something where you wing it or you have a specific script that you're going on? Oh, heck no. Yeah, no, I never wing it. Winging, right. it is, <laughs> winging it is not scalable. Like, No, absolutely If not. I was winging it and I taught all my agents wing it, like our conversion ratio would be bad. Nothing is mm-hmm. trainable, nothing scalable. So it had to be something that's scalable enough. Um, and we have our process of how the listing presentation works. First, we go over um, how much is a house worth in today's market, then how much are they netting at the end of the sale. So a lot of agents do pricing at the back. I actually do pricing at the very front. And if the numbers don't make sense, I don't even go into the marketing. Right. Because there's no they, point. Yeah. They think like, oh, well, I'm going to net 100000 If they're netting seventy-five, the numbers don't make sense, then I just cut it right there. Of course, you know, I excuse Graciously. myself. Yeah, yes. of course. And and then if those two numbers make sense, then we go into the marketing plan. Right. Because at least at that, that point you have their attention. Exactly. Yeah. Because right? yeah, that, that's one of those things. I, I like how you focused on what their net is mm-hmm. because there's a lot of agents who, you know, and this is part of why the having a pre-listing package is so important because they'll go into things like, here's the price that I think your home is going to be in. By the way, I charge 6%. Mm-hmm. And it's almost always a defensive type of interaction that you're having with the seller at that point. Mm-hmm. While if you have a pre-listing package, you're showing your stats ahead of time. They already know that ahead of time. And then you're talking about net to seller. Mm-hmm. That's much different than commission because they're yeah. seeing what they're going to get at the end and they're not arguing about, well, you know, you're getting 6%. I know a guy that's going to do it for 4% or I heard Redfin does it for 1%. It's not even about that. That mm-hmm. never even comes up because what's important is their net to seller. Yep, exactly. Right. And is that something that you came up with or something you struggled with? Uh, you know, I, I, I think I just figured it out along the way. I probably had like 10 different versions of the listing presentation, pricing at the back, pricing at the front, you know, however it's going to be. And the one we have right now is probably the strongest we've had it. Um, and, you know, net, it's an easy conversation to have with them. And then you have to let the client feel like they're in control. So we actually have a variable commission package also. Mm-hmm. We give them three different commission packages based on the services they want. And then they pick the one that's the best. Almost like for them. a la carte type thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's why when they also ask me like, hey, how much do you charge? I say, you know what? That's a great question. And it's hard to say over the phone. We actually have three different commission packages you can, you can choose from based on the services you want. And uh, we go over that when we meet at our listing. Like, oh, okay. Perfect. That's pretty good. Yeah. Easy. So another thing I heard you have in there, which uh, we include in our pre-listing packages too, is um, questions that they ask your competing agents. Mm-hmm. How important is it to have something like that in your pre-listing package? Oh, it's huge. Um, one thing that we go one step further, so there's the questions there, and then in the beginning of the page, I mean, it's, you know, they say the listing presentation should never be about you, it's about them. Mm-hmm. We have about five pages in the listing presentation where it's about us. And really, more importantly, what sets us apart from the competition? So what are the five things they look for? Um, experience in the current market. Um, sales to list price, days on market, uh, someone that you can trust, like Yelp reviews, and then aggressive marketing plan. So we talk about our team man's on stats, how we compare against the competition, 
And that way, when they ask those questions, they can they actually have something to compare the two against. If you don't put your stats in there, they're, they're just questions to ask them. They don't know what's good. They don't know what's bad. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is a crucial part. So having you ask, you, you have the seller, basically, you're giving the seller the ammunition that they need to go out and fight the competition off for you, mm-hmm. right? So they're going to ask those tough questions, things that many agents don't really know. What's the saturation rate? What's your list of sell price ratio? Those are tough questions yeah. if you don't know off the top of your head, right? And is it and and I like how you have the stats based on your team stats mm-hmm. because you might have a newer agent who's newer in the game, might not have the same statistics, but having those team stats kind of, kind of helps you separate the two. Um, and then on top of that, you you have I, I like how that's part of the questions that you're asking the agent so that mm-hmm. way basically the seller has a bs meter on him right so yeah. if he's asking the other agent you know what's your sell, less the sell price ratio <laughs> yeah and he's looking at your answer and the the agent gives him a way different answer mm-hmm. it's it's almost like uh you're lying yeah you're making it up i know you are and also what i do too is i just pull up home snap and i pull up the agents that's who i'm interviewing against you know like mm-hmm. straight up that's part of my pre-listing questions is you know we're going to be meeting with you we're going to go over what your house is worth um other than myself are you interviewing any other agents if they say yes they say perfect one thing i do is i provide an agent report card so you can compare me to the other realtor similar to like how you'd hire a lawyer you want to know what their win percentage is versus the losing percentage we'll put us side by side and ultimately you can decide who you're going to use I they're like sure that. They give me the names and then I put a little agent report card together, bring it to the presentation. Hey, this is just data. I pulled it directly from the multiple listing service. According to their stats in the past two years, this is their average days on market. This is their sales to list price ratio. And we just put them side by side and let them decide. That makes, see, that's all the difference in the world. That's all the type of value that we want to do. But but honestly, that's a little bit extra homework, right? Yeah. That's not what every agent does, but that's what your team has Put together mm-hmm. there's let me let me ask you something maybe you want to share me you know yeah of course what's your uh what's your close ratio now when you go on listing appointments uh you know what? i don't know exactly but i'm gonna say if it's a good listing appointment like eight out of ten that's really good yeah because look I, i've i've heard this statistic oftentimes is you know if you're an agent out there and you're closing maybe if you have a 40 50 percent close ratio on your listing appointments you're doing great mm-hmm. and i always thought well that's like a 40-50%. If my students got a 40-50% on a test, that's mm-hmm. failing. Yeah. Right? How are you accepting 40-50% close ratio in your own personal business that supposedly is supposed to feed your family, put you know a roof over your head, pay the bills, that sort of stuff? 50% is not doing yeah. well. And you also, need to improve that. Yeah, yeah. And I apologize for interrupting. No, One no. thing to add is like depending who you're prospecting against. So mm-hmm. like if you're doing open houses, most likely they've met other realtors. So your ratio is probably going to be a little lower. If it's all for your own database, your your um, percentage is probably going to be a lot higher. Um, for me, I'm most of the time, I'd say nine out of 10 times, I'm interviewing against three or four other agents. Like, it's, We're in San Diego, right? Yeah. It's agent deep. Yeah. And then like sure. they reach out through Yelp. Um, they do their call in. So it's like, that's why we've created that system, the agent report card, so that I nine out of 10 times I'm interviewing against somebody else. So I just got to set myself up for success. But you're five years into the game, right? Mm-hmm. So that's five years of success, failure, success, failure, and you're kind of fine-tuning exactly what it is you do. Mm-hmm. The fact that you have a pre-listing package is unique, mm-hmm. right? And it shouldn't be unique. It should be what every agent's doing, but it's unique. Yeah. The fact that you have the questionnaire is unique. It shouldn't be, but it is unique. Mm-hmm. The fact that you even ask the question, by the way, who am I competing against? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have the goal to ask that type yeah. of question, right? They don't have to ask. They, they, they don't ask that question. They don't know. They show up. They don't even know they're competing and they lose because they're not prepared. They don't have things like the agent report card, mm-hmm. which is genius, by the way. I, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's all public. I mean, not public info. It's agent, it, it's info. agent info. Yeah, yeah, we get that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, if you were hiring a lawyer, you'd want to know how much they win versus they lose, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it 
fair for you to know that before you hire them? Like, yeah. It's just, if I was altering my data, then that's not fair. But right. we pull it up right in front of them, real time. Yeah, that makes that makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I'm I, I love digging deep into your system, into your team. So tell me a little bit about what uh, how big is your team now? Are you looking for more people? And what's what's like an onboarding process like for you guys? Yeah, that's fun. So this is what I love talking about now is like business building, team building, and growth. Um, so right now, I think our team is at uh, eleven people. We just lost our EA that we've had for four years. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we've had her, she was our first employee. We decided to part ways. It just wasn't the visions weren't aligning anymore completely fine we actually just found out today that um the number one person that i wanted to get um mike he's our director of operations he interviewed about 50 or 60 people and the number one person we want she just agreed she's joining the team so two weeks we'll have her thank you that's huge for us um so we're about 11 people now um five of them are support staff and then um like six of them are agents right now um three of them are mainly producing and the other three are in launch group which is people from zero to three transactions working their way into like an agent side so you actually uh essentially you're grading your people as they come into the team mm-hmm. right so a new agent comes and says hey uh, i want to be part of your team is it that easy or do you oh. go out and recruit how does that work no so we make it pretty hard um the reason why is we only want A players. You know, A players attract other A players. Mm-hmm. If you have a team of B players, an A player that comes in, they're not going to want to be a part of the Bs. Mm-hmm. So you got to you got to make sure that you're top grading your talent. Um, and one thing I learned at Family Reunion, Keller Williams, is what. Let me ask you first: What is your definition of top grading? Uh, like top if you're gra- top grading a team. Top grading. I don't want somebody who's self-driven, ambitious, shoots for the top, who wants to be. Who wants to be of service to as many people as possible in a systematic way? That's a great definition. I was thinking about something else. So top grading to me, like my new definition before it was bring in people that are better than your people that are at the bottom. Like let's say your bottom three, bring in people that are better than them and your team only always gets better. And yet when you think about it, that's not top grading. Top grading is bringing people in that are better than your best person. Mm. Well, one of the things that we say is, is if you look around your five people that you spend the most time with, Mm -hmm. if you're the top producer, you need to find some more friends. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of essentially what you're saying here, right? If Mm -hmm. anybody who's on your team, you're looking for somebody who's better because they bring up everybody on the team. Yeah. And also as like the team leader, when you have a bench, so we call that building the bench, when you have a bench that's so strong and almost stronger than your current team, you as the owner have the right to enforce the standards and, and expect excellence from your team because you have a bench strong enough to do that. When you don't have a strong bench, you're held hostage to the current talent that's not hitting the standards. Pretty much how the Golden State Warriors won their championship a couple years that's back with funny, that man. strong bench. Top grading over the best already in the league, right? That's Isn't that crazy? I was thinking of the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, both both yeah, yeah. great teams. That's a great analogy, though. I mean, that's exactly right. Yeah, that that's what you mean by stacking your bench. Mm-hmm. That's that's. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So and that's how you, you're, so you're headhunting. Yeah, we're, we're always recruiting. We're always looking for talent. Um, so to go back to real quick to our process, what we do, if somebody mentions, hey, I want to join your team, we put them what's called launch group. I mean, um, launch week. And so in launch week, we want them to do um, five days in a row of bold 100s. That means they're making 100 contacts in one day, five days in a row. 
Um, why do we do that? Because we want to see how they perform, if they have grit, can they are they self-aware and are they learning to use the script? Are they getting better and better? Um, are they actually like, can they lead generate? Do they fit in with the culture? You can learn a lot about a person when you put them under intense pressure to see if they can complete the goal. So they, um, five days of bold 100s, um, they use a triple line auto dialer, usually calling just listed, just sold. Um, and then at the end of the five days, um, we have a team meeting and we vote that person whether they're in or they're out. That's crazy. So you force them to take reps. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. that, and, and that's huge. We talk about that with our insurance people. How, like, how do you get them to do, to come in and, and produce? Well, you, you apply the pressure, mm -hmm. right? You're putting them through a hell week. Yeah, I like how you changed the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> what, uh, you fraternity. It? Oh, I put launch week. Launch it's week. It's like hazing like, them, yeah, right? It's like hazing them. You're putting them through some shit, man. Yeah, and it's good. <laughs> but and it's good for them. Yeah, it's they good need for that. Them. If they... if they, I guarantee if you start your real estate career making 100 contacts a day for the first five days, like... You, you're, you're not scared of anything anymore. No. You can door knock, you can do anything, nothing scares you anymore. So like, you know, it just gets our agents off on the right foot. And not just the fear, the fact that you have to learn how, how what to say, how not to say it, how to say it better. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna learn that in day one. The first 100 calls, the fact that you're talking to 100 people, yeah. you're getting better. By the time you hit, you know, the 500 calls, mm -hmm. those scripts are pretty well in, well ingrained. Yeah, and I'd rather have them practice on people they don't know than practicing, you know, with the team man's on name behind them and they're doing open houses and yeah. like, oh, what, how much is this house for? Oh, I, you know, they don't have to talk to people yet. You got to right. get them like out there. No, that that totally makes sense. Hey, James, we're going to do that with our agents, by the way. I, I know. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing. I love it. I yeah. love it. You're spitting gold today, man. Thank yeah, you. Thank absolutely. you. I can talk all day. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about. Uh, so after this, these, uh, this hell week that you put them through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what, what happens after that? Yeah. So after they get voted in by the team, I mean, once they get voted in, they're like family. Like our team is super close. It, it's hard to find a team that's closer than ours. And basically, like, even though they join the team, there's still that period of them like proving themselves every day. We call that the 30, 60, 90 day period. 30 days, these are our standards. 60 days, these are the standards and 90. And then to continue being on the team, our standard is 100 contacts a week. So it's like no longer a day, it's a week, yeah, yeah. which is easy. And then six hours of open house time. Uh, so, yeah. so in other words, you're forcing them to be part of your team. You're forcing them to put themselves in a position to hear no. Mm -hmm. Right, at least a hundred times in contacts, mm -hmm. and then at open houses. Yeah, because if they're not putting themselves in a position to hear no, they're not working. Yeah, and right? also, I mean, we there's been times somebody came in last uh, last year, first day booked an appointment. That appointment came in and signed to be with them like in launch week. Like, and how big does that build someone's confidence oh, to yeah. do that? You That's know? a success right there. Right? Yeah, yeah. I On mean, that same day, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> of course, the team gets a round of applause. Yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> and what did that do for the other people on the team? Like, oh my gosh, like. Someone's coming up. We better watch out. You yeah, know? Like yeah. You top grade the talent that way. Yeah, that's for sure. Your 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 top producers are looking at the bench like, oh, oh crap. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're coming for me. They're gunning for me. How does a uh, how, how does it affect your turnaround? So how many people do you see come in? I mean, I don't know how, how mm -hmm. often you bring them in, but how many people just to kind of in general to get an idea of what's going on out there, come in thinking they have the ambition, thinking that they can put the work in, and then fizzle out yeah um let's see so i would say right now we're at maybe you know 11 team man's on members and in the history of team man's on we've probably been at like 25 so like you know people that made it on it didn't work out and we decided to move on you know in mutually part ways um you know it, it kind of is a little scary when you start losing people then everyone in the office is like oh no they're losing people like is it something they're doing but and what i made peace with is gary keller's my favorite quote because the position i'm in now this is like my quote for me is that you know, don't judge me by the people that I let go. Judge me by the people that I keep. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. so true, right? Like people are looking like, oh my gosh, they lost their top agent. And yet it's like, you know, judge me by the people that we have on the team. Those are the people that I want to reflect me, not the ones that we didn't, you know, get into business with. Right, right. Because if for whatever reason, whether not qu- meeting quotas, mm-hmm. you, you don't want to cancer on the team. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and you want to make sure, because it sounds like the dynamic on your team is fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I look at the pictures when you guys are together, even when you let your, when your, your uh, EA, when you guys still had a great group photo, everybody yeah. was smiling, everybody was happy for her. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, sure. you know, that's, that's a culture that you're building within your organization and it's a culture of winning it's a culture of success mm-hmm. right and that to me that and that right there is why the team man's on name and why they speak so highly of you is because you've i think you've helped them find something in themselves that they may not necessarily have known they had mm-hmm. right you've given them the keys to being able to be successful to reach goals to closing 12 transactions on the buyer side to become a listing agent right mm-hmm. 12 transactions for a real estate agent is amazing. Yeah, it's a right? lot, and some and, and for some people, it, it's very little. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, it's just like changing their mindset and thinking like, you talk to a bunch of single agents, twelve like, yeah, twelve, I'm good. But you talk to a bunch of like high producing, like, oh, twelve, I'll get that knocked out in six months. Right. You know, so you just gotta frame the conversation. Don't put limits on their growth and limits to what they can do in their first year. Um, you know, when when we first started team, maybe two. Um, when I first brought on our first two buyers agents. One of our buyers agents did 19 deals their first year, and then the other one did 18 deals their first year in the business. And these are like brand new, new to San Diego, like, and it's because we didn't set limits on their growth. And for a lot of people, like 19, what the, that's crazy. And yet for them, they believed it 100%. They knew, they knew. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, one, like I, again, it comes down to actually doing some work, mm-hmm. right? By the way, James, hear that? Mm-hmm. Actually <laughs> doing some work, yeah. taking action. We had a we had a discussion yesterday about uh, do you need passion? to take action well oh, hey now it was hey kind of like that it was kind of like that we're, we're having this debate about passion and taking action and and listening to you forcing your people well i can't say forcing because it's a 1099 position mm-hmm. but giving them the opportunity yep, that's to it. uh to you know hit these goals by taking action mm-hmm. and and once they've taken all these steps once they're out there they're making their bold calls you know 100 contacts they're out there doing open houses and because they're doing work they get success because they're doing work they close deals hell yeah they're gonna be passionate hell yeah yeah, they're gonna be excited it comes with growth i mean i'm not gonna (laughs) we had this discussion yesterday let's not get into it right now let's let's leave the stage on anthony okay okay. i agree with both of you guys you do need the passion to take action and you do need the action for passion you know um you know, the passion is what fuels the action because you can, I can call a hundred people right now with no passion and get no results. And mm-hmm. then I can also call those same hundred people with passion and then get a lot of results. So you, you do need both. I do agree with both of you guys there. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think our actual, I don't think our conversation had a winning thing. Cause I think we both see it, you know, there, there's definitely a need for both, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I really like the fact cause, cause a lot of the things that, that we talk about is things that are practical and tactical to go out there and do. Mm-hmm. And, and, Telling someone to make a hundred calls, I don't care if it's a week or a month, mm-hmm. that's difficult. Yeah. You know, to get somebody to take that action. And uh, you know, you get people who are new in the business. I, I like the fact that you're you're, you know, going after the gold, going after the top grade people. What advice would you give to somebody who's new in the game who uh who maybe doesn't know how to pick it up and go? Like how do you, where do you find a hundred numbers to call? Yeah. Where do you go, you know, where do you get these open houses? Well, we talked about the open houses, but like, you know, how do you do that? Where do you get these hundred numbers from? Yeah. I mean, like we just pay a service, Cole Realty Resource. Um, you know, I think 
as an agent, you ha- there's a certain amount of resourcefulness you have to have from within in order to be successful in this business. Um, I mean, even if you join a team and you're not resourceful, you wouldn't last on my team very long if you're not resourceful. Um, that's why like the 30, 60, 90 day process is also an opportunity for us to learn from them. Are they resourceful? Are they emotionally smart? Are they um, smart intellectually? Like we're testing each other's out to see if we can build the vision together because we have, you know, one vision, we're all moving towards the the same direction. And as long as my vision's big enough to help them get to their goal, really, I'm just setting the roadmap for them. If you tell me, you know, someone joins the team and says, hey, I want to own 20 investment properties in the next 10 years. Well, if that wasn't a part of my plan and I want to be in business with a person, I need to create a roadmap and a world big enough for him to hit his goal so that we can be included in the same world. Yeah, that's deep. I love that. Yeah. Because you're you're really digging deep into... Uh, not only the production of your team, but why the production is important. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not reverse engineering their their financial goals, which you kind of are, but you're also reverse engineering why they want to be in business in the first place. Mm-hmm. Why are they going out there and and making those hundred calls? Find helping them reach and find that passion that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Dude, so awesome! How how are we doing in time, man? I was just gonna say, I I hate to tell you, but we are. Um we got to wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> this has been, I mean, business, bro. Right? It's, this has been. I just get so much out of you. Like, I was like, let's keep going. I know. I mean, we, we could if you want to, but we're at 45 minutes already. Uh, and, right, right, right. Uh, well, you maybe know. we'll schedule a round two sometime. Here we oh, yeah. We absolutely have to. So, uh, Anthony, go ahead and uh, I believe it's this camera here. And you can talk to our viewers, give them an uh, idea how to get in touch with you for whatever it is that you want to provide for them. Yeah, guys. So if you want to reach out, I mean, add me on Facebook. Um, You can email me. You could reach out, private message me. I'm super open. I mean, um, I learned everything I learned in this business from other people who have taught me it. So I'm an open book. If you're passionate about growth, building a team, getting to real estate sales, joining a team, um, you know, being successful in this business, I mean, I'm an open book and I'm here to help as much as I could. Thanks, brother. I mean, honestly, you've you've uh, I think everything that you've said on today's show, we can replay it over and over and over again. And people will just pull out little gems here and there that will help them, you know, whenever it is in the position that they are, whenever they're in it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody's in a different point in their lives, in their businesses. And each little piece, I think, which you laid out today is definitely something that'll that'll. I can play it over and over again and learn, take little pieces of it in different, in different points in my life. So thank you for coming out. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being so open, Mm -hmm. right. And sharing so much information. Uh, I mean, we really appreciate it, man. Cool, man. Are we going to do our recommendation? Oh yes. We got to do that. I can try to skip another (laughs) recommendation. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, but before we do that, a quick shout out from Zabi, one of the most humble and real people I've ever met in real estate. So blessed that I get to work with yourself and your team. Yeah. Zabi, my boy. All right, so go ahead with the uh, recommendation. So, you know, I hate to keep the train going. I mean, you guys had Kevin on. He recommended me on. And I honestly think you guys got to have Joe Extraordinario on. He is the lead buyer's agent of our team. He's my brother-in-law. He's a 10-time bold graduate. Um, you guys, if you learned a lot from time him. 10-time bold graduate. Yeah. So, what does that mean? Well, bold is a Keller Williams course. It's an eight-week course, that, like real estate boot camp, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, most people I know take it two or three times. Um, the culture of our team is continuous growth. So I've actually taken it 15 times myself. The person who I know is taking it second most is Joe. And he has so much knowledge. He comes from contribution. Um, he's just on a whole different level. Like... Me, Kevin, and Joe are all super different agents in different ways. All of us like give that same kind of value. You guys got to have Joe on. So tag Joe Extraordinario. 
Dro Joe Extraordinario. Yep. He, so, um, it's an extraordinario name, it, right? It definitely <laughs> is. He's my brother-in-law, and uh, yeah, he, he, he'll, be a good, he'll put on a good show for you guys. Awesome, awesome. Hey, thanks again, dude. Again, I'm almost speechless, which rarely happens, but just so much stuff that came out of you today. Uh, really appreciate the time that you came out. And, and even though it's windy and rainy outside. <laughs> and hailing. It's actually hailing it, yeah, outside. it did hail. Yeah, I was in Eastlake. It was hailing. It yeah. was crazy. Well, what the heck? Why yeah. are we? <laughs> exactly. We're, and we pay property I taxes. we were in San Diego. Yeah, we pay property taxes for 75 weather. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's up with this rain. They owe us money now. Exactly. A little sure. bit of a refund. You hear that? Yep. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, guys. If you guys have any questions for James, which is uh, any insurance needs, hit him up, james at csfirst.com. Or any other questions for me, you want to be on the program, Hernan at csfirst.com or follow us on our social media feeds at Business Bros Pod. That's all we got for you guys today. Peace. Bye bye. Business and I'm out. Bros. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you interested in being on the show? Are you looking to sell your home or have a business that needs insurance? Reach out to the Business Bros via email businessbros at csfirst.com right now or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe and share the podcast with the business professionals who you think would benefit from the show.